This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The last book in the Old Testament declares that the Lord himself will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. But who shall abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. Those words actually were incorporated by George Frederick Handel in his famous oratorio, Messiah. They must have significance. Before the 400 years of prophetic silence, they were echoed by God through the prophet Malachi to this very day that the Lord himself would suddenly come to his temple. Well, here's the question. What is his temple? And there is no temple on the Temple Mount. At the time that those words were penned by Malachi, there was indeed a temple on the Temple Mount. It was the second temple, the temple that was rebuilt after the destruction by the Babylonians, the temple that was existence at the time of Jesus' ministry on the planet. But then again in 70 A.D., that temple was destroyed, and there's not been another since. So how is the Lord going to suddenly come to his temple? What is that temple anyway? And will there be a rebuilt temple? That's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint, and it might come as a shock to you that President Joe Biden has spoken on the issue. In very simple little words, he has spoken on the issue, and perhaps they mean more than people might give him credit for. Here, Here's what he said concerning the Second Temple destruction. We can always build back better. We can always build back better. Now, what was he talking about? He was talking about the second temple that had been destroyed, the Jewish people now praying for centuries for the temple to be rebuilt, and Joe Biden using the language not only of his infrastructure bills, but the language of the Great Reset, a euphemism for the New World Order, used exactly the same language for the rebuilding of the temple. We can always build back better. What did he mean? What are the full range of implications for his words? And is it time for a new temple? Well, actually, those were the words that were asked by a headline in Time magazine back on October 16th, 1989, 32 years ago. 32 years ago. And at that time, the reason for the headline was that there was considerable talk about the need for a rebuilt temple. The prophet Isaiah spoke to this issue. His words were written over 2,700 years ago, 
And he was concerned about Judah and Jerusalem. And he said, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established at the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall go and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. If you'd like to know where that's found, it's in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. So the question then is, well, are these the last days he was talking about? And if they're not, when would they be? And why is there such a growing interest in the rebuilding of the temple and has been for the past 40, 50 years? Is this the generation in which all of these things should take place? These are all the questions before us here today, even as the Jewish people for the past, uh, well, since 1948 certainly, have been making Aliyah, returning to Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, believing, many believing, that in order for the Messiah to come and in order for the temple to be rebuilt, the Jewish people must return to make Aliyah, or which means to go up, to Jerusalem, to go up to Israel. Right now, there are more Jews in Israel than there are in North America. That happened, that occurred just uh, two or three years ago. And in fact, about half of all of the world's Jews currently live in Israel. Many are making Aliyah. COVID has not helped the matter at all. But they're still making Aliyah, returning. So the question then still remains, is it time for the temple? What do you think? Are these the end times? Is this the moment that all history has waited for? Well, think about this. On May 2nd, 2007, Ynet News Dot com presented a historic headline. Here it is. The Sanhedrin's Peace Initiative. How might the reestablished Sanhedrin dedicated to rebuild the temple on the Temple Mount present a plan for global peace amid such seeming provocation? Now, just so that you understand about this Sanhedrin, if you're not familiar with the term, that is the group of the most respected rabbinical leaders of Israel. They existed at the time of Jesus. In fact, they're the group that committed him to death. Seventy-one of them. And they gathered in the high priest's house and decreed death for the Messiah, for Jesus, based upon the claim of blasphemy. The Sanhedrin did not exist for about 1,600 years after the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., but then in 2004, the Sanhedrin began to be reconstituted in Tiberias, Israel. What was their intent and their purpose, their primary goal in reestablishing the Sanhedrin? Would you like to know? It was rebuilding the temple. So on May 2, 2007, four years later, the Sanhedrin sent out a peace initiative. The Jewish sages drafted a letter that was translated into 70 languages and sent to all government institutions in the world. 
including the sons of Ishmael and Esau. In the letter, the rabbis of the Sanhedrin warned that the world was nearing a catastrophe. So they wrote that, quote, the only way to bring peace among nations, states, and religions is by building a house for God where Jews will worship, pray, and offer up sacrifice according to the vision of the prophets. Then, they said, the rabbis also call on non-Jews to help the people of Israel fulfill their destiny and build the temple in order to prevent bloodshed across the globe. Well, they believed that the temple was necessary to bring about world peace. Well, if a growing group of people should believe that, including a counterfeit Christ figure, what would you expect to happen? We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. There is absolutely nothing on earth that would curry more favor with the Jewish people worldwide, particularly the Orthodox Jews, than to rebuild the temple. Or, as Joe Biden said a few days ago, on the fourth day of Hanukkah, we can always build back better. And he was talking about the temple, friends. which he compared it to a temple of democracy. The temple of our democracy. There's an interesting insight here because it goes along with much of way of the way many Jewish people, particularly the rabbis, look at the temple. In the Old Testament it says my house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. I believe it was the prophet Isaiah who spoke those words. So the rabbis inter- interpret that to mean a house of prayer for all religions. Well, that sounds very similar to a temple of our democracy, doesn't it? Democratic religion. Whatever God you want to serve, whatever God you want to worship, whatever, whatever, whatever. Come and join us in the temple. Let's all pray together for our respective gods. Well, that's exactly what Pope John Paul II called for. Not in a temple, but for a prayer meeting, a joint prayer meeting in Assisi, Italy. Years ago, he gathered a hundred of the prominent religious leaders of the world for a common prayer meeting. The purpose to unite the world's religions in prayer, but to whom? This was the so-called vicar of Christ, the revered John Paul II, attempting, apparently, to choreograph the religions of the world into a common worship service. 
It wasn't in a temple, but it might as well have been. It was like the temple of a democracy. Everybody does what they want to do. Everybody worships whatever God they want to worship. As I read the Bible, that's called idolatry. That's called paganism. It's a violation of the first, second, and third commandments. But apparently it's in the spirit of the age today, including the mind and heart of the most revered spiritual leaders of Israel, the Sanhedrin, a house of prayer for all people interpreted to mean all religions. When I read that initially in the Bible, the way I understood it was a house of prayer for all people who are worshiping the Most High God, Creator of heaven and earth, and the Messiah, His only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. But the rabbis don't see it that way, at least not as they have presented it for public consumption. So today we take a look at where does this rebuilding of the temple stand? Can we expect it? And if the president of the United States, who Klaus Schwab has basically inaugurated to be his mouthpiece for the Build Back Better mantra of the New World Order and the Great Reset. And that individual, Joe Biden, now declares publicly on Hanukkah, in Hanukkah, fourth day, concerning the temple that no longer exists, we can always build it back better. Hmm. I'll leave it to you to gather the significance of that. It's very hard to understand what he's really talking about unless he really means. Just trust me. Trust those of us that are launching this great reset. Just as we're going to spend trillions of dollars here in America to build back better our infrastructure, so what's the problem with building the temple back better? Well, one problem that I see is that this same president has just inaugurated a plan to send $5 billion of America's money across the seas to advance the cause of abortion, even as this matter is brought before the Supreme Court. Doesn't sound much like the temple of God is being revered, Because God was the creator of heaven and earth and all things in the earth, including humankind, which he made in his image. But this precedent seems like it's fair game to, shall we say, second against the God of creation and say only those who are current living, currently living, deserve to live. But those who would be coming and birthed into the land of the living do not deserve to live. Sounds like an awful lot of chutzpah to me. 
But when we talk about the rebuilding of the temple, the devil still lies in the details, always does. When would such a temple be built? Does the world truly need the temple? Who will build the temple? And under what auspices will it be built? Will it be purely a Jewish endeavor? Will it be a religious partnership? Will the United Nations join the nations in partnership? Will the Vatican seek to gain oversight? Does the end justify the means? Will this be a house of prayer for all nations to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Or will this be a multi-faith project where all religious faiths purport to worship their respective gods as they please? Well, you might say, in fact, God himself might say, who will be king of the mountain? Who's going to rule and reign from Mount Zion? Whose glory is going to be displayed throughout the earth? Will it be that of Mashiach ben David, Messiah son of David, or will it be a shared glory by all faiths, whether or not they embrace Yahweh as God and Yeshua as Messiah? Will a deceptive counterfeit promising a false peace gain global dominion in Sanhedrin favor and embraces the long-awaited anointed one? promising a temple in time while desecrating the truth? Will Israel and her leaders recognize the time of her visitation and salvation from Father God, or will they be deceived once again by the father of lies to receive another who should come in his own name with, as Isaiah foretold, a covenant with death? Well, As the Bible says, multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. So the question is, who's going to be king of the mountain? The holy mountain, the mountain where God chose to place his name there called the Temple Mount. Now, if you want to find out a lot more about this battle for king of the mountain, you might want to seriously consider getting a copy of my book, King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end time battle. It is a book unlike, I think, it's fair to say, unlike any other. Uh, When a Jewish rabbi takes me on his talk show and ends up, after asking for an hour, ends up an hour a day for seven weeks, it must say something about the contents of this book, King of the Mountain, where it says that he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. So the temple is a big deal. Here we have a $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check, add $5 for postage and handling. We'll get the book king of the mountain in your hands indeed it is the eternal epic and end time battle that describes the entire prophetic panoply of history not only from genesis chapter 1 to genesis 22 excuse me revelation 22 but also the time preceding when satan accosted god on the mount of god in the heavens and declared his independence and his rivalry. 
You know, it's always a pleasure to join you here on Viewpoint to talk about the things that matter. And indeed, this is something that matters greatly. The reason it matters greatly is because it matters to God. It's spoken of by his word. Many other things are not spoken of by his word, but this is. And so we talk about it. We try to talk about the things that make a difference in our lives. This does make a difference, as we will find as we move toward the end of the program today, because it's not just about a temple out there. In fact, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Scripture says, the Lord God does not live in temples made with hands. So then why is the temple significant? What's this all about anyway? Are we just wasting our time? I don't think so. If I did think that, we wouldn't be talking about it, and I wouldn't have written an entire book called King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. I hope you'll get a copy of it and read it slowly. Uh, it's written in such a way as all of my books are, so that you can read them in small pieces. And then every chapter is followed by a series of questions to help probe deeply, dig a little deeper into what are the real implications of what has been said? On our website, saveus.org, King of the Mountain. <clears throat> I want to take you to a couple of articles. One, actually, uh, coming from the Jewish Voice. The Jewish Voice is published by uh, a rabbi, a messianic rabbi, and his ministry out in Arizona. And, uh, in fact, he he uh, actually endorsed uh, one of my recent books. Uh, I think it was uh, Antichrist. Antichrist. How to Identify the Coming Imposter. By the way, if you don't have that book, you really ought to consider it, along with King of the Mountain. And uh, if you get both of those books at the same time, you'll save $3 in postage and handling because you'll get both of these substantial books for $7 postage and handling instead of $5 each. So you're looking at uh, Antichrist. How to Identify the Coming Imposter, $22 on our website, saveus.org. Now, enough of that. I really don't like promoting books. What we're doing is not just promoting a book, but promoting a message. This is how we get the message out. Don't make any money from these books. Believe it or not, it's, it might be shocking to you, but it's true. Now, before we get to the building of the third temple by Jewish voice, this is fascinating, coming, coming from Scottish Rite Freemasonry. The rebuilding of the Temple Campaign, a multi-million dollar fundraising effort that supports the necessary rehabilitation goals for the House of the Temple and its 21st century renovation, the future of the headquarters of Scottish Rite Freemasonry. They say it's a time for action. Must be made to the temple in order to ensure the preservation of our Masonic history and the promotion of Freemasonry to future generations. Did you know that Freemasonry claims its source in the building of the first 
temple, Solomon's temple, a fellow by the name of Hiram Abif is at the heart of it. That's why they have all those building materials in their symbols. Scottish Freemasonry. Did you also know that Freemasonry embraces all religions? All you have to do is believe in God, whoever that is. Well, that sounds an awful lot like the Sanhedrin in Israel. Might the Freemasons now come along and say, hey, we want to participate in this uh, great temple rebuilding project. We'll build back better. Just thinking out loud. We'll be back after this. This is Viewpoint. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. And I welcome you back to Viewpoint. We're talking today about the rebuilding of the Third Temple. Is it important? Why would it be important? Why might it not be important? Who's going to rebuild the temple? When? How? Is it even possible without avoiding World War III with the Muslim world? All of these things are fascinating uh, questions with regard to this matter of the temple. An article appeared in the Jerusalem Post, July 13th to 19th, 2007. That was the issue, the Jerusalem Post, the international edition. Here was the title, The World Needs the Temple. The World Needs the Temple. Very explicit article in explaining from the Jewish perspective why the entire world needs the temple. The article says that the temple is cardinal to Israel's purpose as a holy nation and a kingdom of priest teachers through whom all the families of the earth are to be blessed. The article goes on to say the people of Israel were entrusted to teach the world that because God created every human being in his image, each must be free and unviolable and that our God of love and morality, wants a world of peace and security for all. The place from which this message must emanate is Jerusalem, the city of peace, and the temple is to be the beacon from which this message goes forth, declared the Jerusalem Post. It was to usher in the time when nations shall not lift up sword against nation and humanity will not train for war anymore. 
They conclude by declaring only a temple teaching absolute morality in the city of peace can secure the future of freedom in our global village. Well, that sounds an awful lot like what Joe Biden said, doesn't it? That this is the temple of democracy. Morality in the city of peace to secure the future of freedom in our global village. Wow. It doesn't sound nearly so spiritual as you might think. And therein lies the problem because Israel's become very syncretic. In other words, mixed up. Theologically mixed up. Incorporating worldly ideas together with biblical ideas in order to accomplish objectives that are deemed to be important, such as rebuilding the temple. But the question still hovers over this conversation. Who will be king of that mountain, the temple mount? Who's going to rule and reign from Mount Zion? Well, we turn now to the article from the Jewish Voice, and I want to just share with you some excerpts from this article. I think they might be instructive. Those who believe Scripture contains a literal fulfillment of the biblical covenants for the Jewish people and the land of Israel recognize rebuilding the temple is part of this promised future. At that time, the Messianic age, a righteous descendant of David, the Messiah, will sit on the throne in Jerusalem, and the temple will again stand complete. If this is to be a future reality, is there any sign of preparation for a third temple in Israel today? The importance to Orthodox Jews of rebuilding the temple lies in its role in the redemption of the world, which they believe can only take place once the temple is rebuilt. Gershon Solomon, by the way, redemption of the world does not mean what Christians think. Christians think of the redemption of the world as the people being saved by trusting Jesus Christ for their salvation as the Redeemer. The Jews have no concept of salvation in that way. The redemption of the world means that you do good things for the world so that you restore peace on earth, and uh, you engage in what is called tikkun olam uh, with mikvah, that is, good works that are designed and destined to bring about peace and goodwill toward men. It's called tikkun olam, the redemption of the world. Gershon Solomon is director of the Temple Mount Faithful, an organization that has been trying to prepare Israeli society to accept and promote the rebuilding of the temple. Solomon said, Building the third temple is an act which must be done to complete the redemption of the people of the Bible in the land of the Bible. However, many religious Jews do not support this idea because they've adopted a diaspora mentality. But what is the diaspora mentality? It's that none of that matters. It's relatively irrelevant. The diaspora, that is Jews that are spread out through the world, don't really give too much of an interest in Israel, Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, or what goes on there, including the Temple Mount. 
But for Orthodox Jews committed to reestablishing the temple, both the present problems of the world and the problems faced by the Jewish people will be solved, they say, only by rebuilding. So the question is, are we any closer to the rebuilding of the temple today? The world is radically opposed to Israel's claims in Jerusalem, much less their contested ownership of the Temple Mount. Nevertheless, recent developments have contributed to the Temple Movement's goals and the realization of the rebuilding of the Temple in our lifetime. Concerning the preparations for the Temple service, the Sanhedrin has taken steps necessary for reinstating future Temple service. Rabbi Richmond, also member of the Sanhedrin, has been heading a project to restore the sacred red heifer to Israel. It was necessary by biblical command in Numbers 19 for purifying Jews to enable them to do service in the temple. The Sanhedrin and the temple movement also hold reenactments of temple ceremonies for the training of those who are from the priestly class Noah's Kohanim, And this training involves, among other things, a newly constructed altar of burnt offering designed to be disassembled and quickly reassembled because the people of Israel required to build an altar exclusively on the site of the original altar on Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount. When the time is right, it will be reassembled on the mount in the temple, enabling the sacrificial service to be resumed without delay. What is this altar on Mount Moriah? Well, friends, that mountain uh, altar on Mount Moriah was the one where Abraham offered up his son Isaac, and God interfered through an angel and said, No, seeing that you are willing to offer up your only begotten son, now you have freed me to offer up mine instead. While the temple movement continues to prepare for the rebuilding of the temple, most understand that some political action must take place to reverse the present situation of control of the mount by Muslims in order to allow for Jewish access. In the political, it is the political echelon and not the courts that must give content and meaning to the historical call for the temple, uh, rebuilding of the temple. In other words, this must be a political, not legal action. So those who understand Daniel's prophecy of the 70th week know that it is a future political leader, the Antichrist of Revelation 13, who will one day make a deceptive covenant with the Jewish leaders leading to the rebuilding of the third temple. How might this happen? Asked the article. Well, consider the words of Joe Biden current putative president of the United States, who on Wednesday declared, well, concerning the temple, rebuilding the third temple, we can build back better. Who is we? Well, those who are leading the move for the one world order, the global government, the great reset. Of course that's who we is. This article goes on to say, how might this happen? Any proposed legal regime will require interfaith cooperation composed of religious leaders from the region. It may be supplemented by international religious leaders who may serve as mediators. 
Those who seek to understand biblical prophecy know that the Antichrist will be followed by both political and religious leaders, making this kind of proposal a reality. Are you listening? So the article concludes saying, It is exciting to see these developments unfold in the land of Israel regarding the building of a third temple as we eagerly watch for the second coming of Messiah. Well, yes. But what is going to precede the second coming of Messiah? Would you like to know? The first coming of Antichrist. One who Satan himself invests himself in as similar to an incarnation who will be Satan on earth, so to speak who will carry on the horrific plans that Satan had to ascend to the heights of the north to be like the Most High God and to rule and reign from the Temple Mount. Now, what do you think such an individual is going to do or likely to do? He's likely to be the focus of the building back better of a third temple. To patronize the Orthodox Jews, to gain their consummate favor, so that he then will have their favor and support to choreograph the entire world into a one-world order. And under their belief and conviction that he must be the long-awaited Messiah because the most important thing that they require of the Messiah, going back even to the famous Maimonides, the Jewish rabbi, he will rebuild the temple. Now, does this sound like it might have relevance to us today? Well, I think so. And we're not even finished yet. I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. Viewpoint really does determine destiny. So does yours. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and we're talking today about the rebuilding of a third temple and uh, how it has come back into uh, international focus even through the current 
putative president of the United States, Joseph Biden, who on the fourth day of Hanukkah declared in the lighting of the menorah, using the terms of the New World Order and the Great Reset, we can build back better, referring specifically to the temple on the Temple Mount. Now, you may think, well, that's just one anecdotal illustration there. Uh, Isn't there something else, perhaps, that uh, you could bring before us that might add some further uh, authenticity to this? Well, try this one. This came, was published March 1st, 2021. A University of Cincinnati professor is one of 100 religious voices chosen to write a letter to President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, and members of the 117th Congress to promote peace. To promote peace. Now remember what the Sanhedrin said in the letter that they sent out to 70 nations in 2007, and that is, The only way to have peace on earth is to rebuild the temple, and you Gentiles need to help us or you're never going to have peace. That's what they said. So, this professor known as Rabbi Matthew Krauss sent on March 9th a letter. He is the head of the University of Cincinnati's Department of Judaistic Studies. And here's... Here are the excerpts, the relevant excerpts from his letter. Listen carefully. Dear President Biden, Vice President Harris, and members of the 117th Congress, after the Israelites suffered the great trauma of Jerusalem being attacked, the temple destroyed, and our people exiled, the final books of the Hebrew Bible provided empathy, comfort, and a roadmap to restoration. Then and now. Returning and rebuilding from exile is no easy task. So we look to you to return us from exile. We look to you, Joe Biden, to rebuild. We will join you and rebuild together. Are you getting the sense of this? The sense of this is that Rabbi Matthew Krauss a professor, a university professor, is actually saying that the Gentiles and Gentile leaders must take the lead in the project to rebuild the temple, and we Jewish people then will join with you. And he goes on to say in his letter, we are responsible to build for everyone. For my house, says the Bible, should be called a prayer, house of prayer for all peoples. So we look to renew and to rebuild. Exile has been prolonged, and yet together we can transform the shared experience of exile into the rebuilt foundations of that better future. Sounds like Joe Biden's temple of democracy, doesn't it? Let us return and rebuild in joy as a new and better people. Notice, there is no mention of God or Hashem 
calling the people to rebuild because God chose to place his name there. None of that. It's about trying to find a way to bring peace on earth, to circumvent the Messiah who was to bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men, by rebuilding a temple that ultimately a counterfeit Messiah must assist in. This is pretty amazing, I think. Why haven't Jews rebuilt the temple yet? That might be a good question for you, and it's coming from a uh, website, the Chabad.org website, which are hyper-Orthodox Jews, super-Orthodox, penultimate Orthodox Jews. So they ask a series of questions. Who must build? The obligation to rebuild the temple may apply only when the majority of the Jewish nation resides in Israel. In other words, makes Aliyah. Well, right now, about 50%, close to 50% of all the world's Jewish people, as best as can be uh, counted and reconciled, live in Israel. About 6.9 million. And there are about 15 million Jews in the world. So they're getting there. The writer goes on to say, in addition, it may apply only when there is a Jewish king or prophet. A Jewish king or prophet. Well, there is no Jewish king. A prime minister is not a king. A president is not a king. And there does not seem to be any true legitimate prophet in Israel. Not that would match any biblical uh, prescription. So it goes on to say how to build. Truthfully, we don't even know how to construct the temple. The dimensions of the third temple are somewhat described in the book of Ezekiel. When it came time to build the second temple, the Jews built it according to the dimensions of the first temple and included only certain aspects that are explicitly stated in Ezekiel chapter 4. It is only the third and final temple that would be built entirely according to the prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 5. Perhaps the most challenging aspect of all is the placement of the altar, which must be in a very specific location. What is that location? Well, the altar is to be placed on the exact spot from which the earth to create, from which God created Adam, and where Isaac, excuse me, Abraham offered Isaac upon the altar on Mount Moriah. Exact same spot. But there are difficult problems in doing this. The temple was and will be staffed by Kohanim, that is, descendants of Aaron, through a direct line of males. And they would need to wear the priestly garments made of materials such as threads dyed with a special uh, blue dye. So, the question is, how is this going to happen? Well, as for how the temple will ultimately get rebuilt, it is a matter of dispute between the classic commentators. Maimonides teaches that the temple will be built by Messiah himself, one of the signs that he is indeed the Messiah. 
Others are of the opinion that the Messianic era, the temple would descend ready-built from heaven. Well, let me rephrase some of that. There are those who believe that in order for Messiah to come, the Jewish people must be about rebuilding the temple as the ultimate mikvah, or good work, for the redemption of the world. The first mikvah would be to make Aliyah in return to Israel. Then there are those who say, no, especially Chabad and the uh, Hasidic, hyper-conservative Jews, say, no, we don't want to get involved in Zionism. That's ungodly because we're trying to preempt, then, the Messiah himself. No, we're just going to wait for the Messiah to do it. Those are the viewpoints, primarily. But the reality is, because of the hyper-expectation of the Jewish people that is growing, 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 and growing as we speak, When someone comes along to facilitate the rebuilding of that temple, which, by the way, the Jewish identity is so deeply connected with, that individual will be deemed to be the Messiah. And that individual will also as a result of the favor that he has created or cultivated with the Jewish people in the rebuilding of the temple, will cause them to enter into a treaty. The Bible calls it a covenant. But the scripture actually calls it a covenant with death. Isaiah chapter 28. So horrific is that covenant. So deceptive is that covenant. So destructive is that covenant that God himself says, I will disannul it because I'm married to Israel. And a husband has the right and the responsibility to disannul something that his wife enters into without his permission and authority, if he does it immediately. But that doesn't mean there aren't going to be horrific consequences that flow from that covenant with death. All of this, my friends, is directly related to the rebuilding of the temple. Now, we'll go back to what the Scripture says both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Lord our God does not live in temples made with hands. He never did and never will. Ultimately, yet Jesus himself said of the second temple, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. Jesus claimed the second temple to be his house. God inaugurated with his Shekinah glory the first temple that was dedicated by Solomon and claimed it as his house. Why did God do that? Because he knows we human beings need a sense of place. It's as simple as that. God isn't bound 
by living in some temple. He's not a an idol that we can sit up there and worship. He's spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Nevertheless, the temple was part of the ultimate plan and purpose of God. Does that mean that this third temple is God's ultimate plan and purpose? Absolutely not. Do you know why this third temple is necessary? Because without a temple, the Jewish people that have not embraced Yeshua, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior and as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world and receive his sacrifice as the full atonement and forgiveness of sin, they are still under the law. And under the law, there is only one way for your sins to be dealt with. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Therefore, since there has been no temple since 70 A.D., the Jewish people worldwide, relying upon the Torah, without the Messiah, who came to live out or flesh out the Torah in spirit and in truth, they have longed for the temple because they have no means of atonement. They've not been able to sacrifice. That's why they need the temple. Is it God's ultimate desire and intention? No. Did you know that your body is the temple to the Holy Spirit, friends? Wherever you go, you are an ambassador for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he is supposed to be reigning in and through you on the temple mount of your heart. But is he? Are you sure? Don't answer too quickly, because he will be the judge. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint today. I hope you'll get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain, also Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, on our website, saveus.org. What incredible gifts they would make for people who are interested not only in Bible prophecy, but in history and how things are going in our world. God bless and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.